and I have been uh, bought. 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 But been bought. bought. You've been bought. I've been bought. I sold the company. <laughs> I sold the company. I sold the podcast. I sold myself, and I'm on. I'm on a. Uh, I'm about to enter into a very exciting new relationship with a company I firmly believe in. And I think we're going to do some really, really wonderful, wonderful things together. And I hope that doesn't go against my NDA. Oh, God, pray to God it does not go against my NDA. But That was April Vokey talking about a huge change upcoming for her and her business this year. Stay tuned for that and an amazing show about her unique take on life and fly fishing. This is episode number 30 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Before I get into the intro, I want to remind you to uh, head over to the blog at wetflyswing.com slash 30 for this episode and leave a comment. This will help... uh, let uh, me know you're listening and keeps the conversation going. In today's episode, I interview April Vokey, host of the Anchored Podcast and one of the biggest names in fly fishing today. April talks about her passion for fly fishing and gives her opinion on women in fly fishing, sexism, and a whole host of other topics around fly fishing that um, actually might surprise you. We talk about catching marlin on the fly, the Bulkley River for steelhead conservation, and why starting out as a gear fisherman is a good thing. Don't miss this as April takes uh, talks a, a little bit about uh, a letter she received from Joan Wolf after her 60 Minutes episode where Joan actually called her out on her uh, behavior and actions on the 60 Minutes broadcast. So some good stuff today. Uh, without further ado, here's April Vokey from aprilvokey.com. How's it going, April? I'm awesome. How are you? Good. Good to have you on here. Uh We've been, uh, I've been wanting to get you on the show for quite a while. I have, people have been asking like when you're going to come on. So this is pretty awesome to finally get you on here. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. My, my story, um, I think, you know, I've, I've mentioned this a few times about the podcasting. I've kind of had a, a goal of mine for the last couple of years, but I think your podcast was really one of the first ones, at least in the fishing world that got me going. And I listened to a lot. So I just wanted to Aww. right off the bat, say thanks for that because you inspired me. So I appreciate it. Oh, it means a lot to me. Thank you. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, so I guess, uh, I just want to start, I always start off with just you know, talking about your history, I know I've heard the stories and, you know, heard about your passion and stuff, but maybe you can just tell folks that don't know you, how you got into fly fishing and how, you know, the whole anchored podcast and all that came to be. Yeah. You know, I didn't start off with fly fishing. I definitely started off with conventional fishing and I still fish conventional, but, uh, you just, you get to a point where you're just looking for something a little more challenging, I think. And I'd seen fly fishing before on the, on the Chilliwack or the Vetter River in British Columbia, and it just looked so romantic. And, you know, it's, looking back now, knowing what I know now, it probably wasn't very romantic. <laughs> the guys were probably swearing at each other and getting in each other's way and, you know, yeah. hitting themselves in the head with flies. But from afar, it looked really romantic. And uh, I have a, like a dancing background, not the dancing that some people would like to think that yeah. I have, but like actual like jazz, oh, okay. um, hip hop, like dancing. And, uh-huh. and, uh, I always really loved rhythm and it just looked like dancing in the water. So huh. that was me. I decided I was going to 
learn how to do it, which was different back then. There was no internet to do that. So it was definitely, I mean, once you made up your mind that you wanted to excel at something back then, back then in my day, (laughs) you had to actually really, you know, um, like go to the library and, and, and physically go into shops and meet people. You couldn't just hop online. Yeah. And the rest was really history, you know, it's the same story as so many, you know, you get an old crappy fly rod, you don't know what you're doing, you watch some VHS tapes, you still don't know what you're doing, and you ruin fly lines on concrete (laughs) and, yeah, just, you know, flail in the air until you get it right. Exactly. Yeah, and I have heard a lot of of stories. I think I'm close to, I don't know, 25 or 30 episodes in or whatever. But yeah, from, from people that just got started to people that have been doing a long time. And, and what, so just so we know, like year wise, what, what year was it when you kind of first picked up the, the fly rod and started flailing? I was 18. Oh, okay. So I'm 35, 35 now. So what's the math on that? <laughs> I've been dealing with a baby again. all night. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So you're probably close to, yeah, a good 20 years, getting close to 20 years, which is, uh, which is pretty awesome. Oh, that's so weird to hear that. Isn't that maybe it's I should really say, weird to hear that. It yeah. is, yeah. You're you're closer to twenty than you are uh, anything else. Oh, gross! But yeah, <laughs> no. I, I mean, the thing is, is you learn so much about. It wasn't that big of a step. A lot of people who don't fish come to me and they're like, "How do I get into fly fishing?" And I'm going, "Well, you know, have you thought about fishing a bait caster? Like, I mean, I fished a center pin for ages. Mm-hmm. Learning fish behavior." is honestly it's easier with gear rods like i i used to go through a run with my gear rod um after i'd gone through with a fly rod you know so Mm -hmm. i definitely took my time in the progression uh for sure so yeah i'd say my my gear days which obviously were way before which makes me sound really ancient but Mm -hmm. they taught me a lot more than than the fly did you know what i mean like the yeah. fly was like the artistic part but the gear rod was yeah. my meat and potatoes for sure i hear you yeah no I, i've had that conversation too with others on here that uh, yeah you, you just have a lot more touches and you you run into a lot more fish so you you get a feel for you know just kind of behavior like you said which is a which yeah is a great point yeah no I, and water right like how can you possibly mm-hmm. know river currents if if you're not what better way to figure out a current than having a float you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. having a dink float and having a piece of bait <laughs> or I used to float like I drift color, you know, spoons or whatever, blades underneath yep. the float. And you really get a feel for what, you know, why is my, why is, why is it pulling in that direction? What's that eddy? How does that eddy working? How does it work around the rock? Mm-hmm. Oh, look, there's a fish behind that rock. <laughs> you really, or, you know, like, especially with like a center pin, when you've got to still be doing some sort of mending, you really, you learn line management with your conventional rod. So I kind of mentioned this cause I get real shitty when people give, gear anglers grief because you know what better way to start um than that yeah no it's interesting and this is maybe a good question i've thought about before and you know on the the conservation end which i know you get into a lot and anchored at least you've had some of those conversations um i don't talk a lot about it here for various reasons but i i focus a lot more on kind of the tips and things like that but it is an interesting thing, and a question I have, because you think about the fly fishing, you know, and we've talked about this, lots of conservation-minded people. Do you think with the gear fishing that there's not as many of those people, or they're just not as, um, you just don't hear from them as much? No, I definitely don't think that, that they don't care or, or that they're not as involved. I certainly would put my foot down on that. Mm-hmm. I see I see a ton of, of, especially in British Columbia, I see some of the most influential groups in BC's history were 
you know, the kingfishers, the driftfishers, those societies. I'm not too familiar with the people Mm -hmm. in them, but I know that they did a ton of work to really help um, BC steelhead in particular. So I definitely think that they're just as active. I think that gear fishers or gear anglers can get a bad rap because they tend to look as though they're more about the numbers. Yeah. And, and maybe in fairness, maybe they are, but it's such a personal thing. Like it's really hard to category, you know, to stereotype, to stereotype anybody. But I think that they're just as active and just as involved. Um, maybe you and I just don't maybe see it because we're not in those circles as much these days. Or, I mean, if you really wanted to play devil's advocate, maybe it's this. I, as I grew up and matured and essentially got bored of catching lots of fish and, and then wanted to make it more difficult. Um, I was looking, I, I just had been immersed in it for longer. So I appreciated it more. I, I, I appreciated the fish more. I wanted to help them more. So I don't want to, again, I don't want to speak on behalf of anyone else, sure. but for myself, I just didn't have the maturity back then or the time or the knowledge. So, so maybe fly fishers have put in some cases, like in my case, have put in, just there they are fly fishers because they put in so much time and therefore i mean what else are you going to do like after doing it for 20 years mm-hmm. don't you think that you really have to stop and look at yourself and be like mm, oh, yeah. okay maybe i should start thinking about giving back yeah that's a good you're right that's a good chunk of time and i kind of joke or my friends have joked with me before you know some of them that haven't caught as many steelhead because as they listen to my show they hear you know you and other people talk about how well it's not about the numbers game and, you know, I'm, I'm good catching the fish or two. And, and I, I agree with that now. I think I've changed my thinking too, but they kind of look at me and say, Hey, I haven't caught hundreds of fish and I, and I want to have some of those 10 fish days. You know what I mean? What, what do you say to people, you know, out there that are kind of early on and they still want to have some of those numbers? Is that, is that, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Your question is like, you just the most perfect. That's the, you couldn't have asked me at a more perfect time. I just had this conversation yesterday. Yeah. I was interviewing Bob Hooten yesterday actually. And we kind of got into this because he's just published a book called days of rivers past. And it's about, you know, the shifting baseline that we can see in BC with steelhead and days, you know, in his day, obviously there were a lot more fish and you you have to read the book to really get a full grasp on what Bob's trying to say. But it was an interesting point. His thing is, um, you know, with there being less fish, everyone is concentrating on to main rivers. Like, let's say, for example, the Bulkley has, you know, obviously the majority of steelhead in, in BC for the most part. So say everyone's concentrated on the Bulkley and, and Bob and I battle each other all the time. People probably don't know this, but there's literally not a person on earth I fight with more than Bob Hooten. <laughs> I love him and hate him on a weekly basis, and I've told him so. <laughs> so um, I have written several articles about, you know, let's let's get out and explore other rivers that maybe don't have as many fish, but um, there's no people on them. And he used to get really mad at that. And I, I thought at first that he was angry about it because he thought I was trying to convince people to explore other maybe secret rivers. Right. But his thing was he just – he his thing is – there are no rivers that people haven't seen before. And I'm going, but yeah, but Bob, who cares if they're getting out? And he's saying, well, people are concentrating to these main rivers because they all want to catch fish. And, and I guess I'm getting, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but we basically had to look each other in the eye yesterday and sort some differences. And the reality is, Bob, maybe you and other guys go fishing to catch fish, but we don't all go and do that. And so I guess the big question, just bring it, bringing it back to your question, Dave, Mm -hmm. is, 
is it experience that makes it that person? Like maybe you don't want to catch or care about catching as many fish because like friends say you've caught hundreds of fish, but I've got to be completely honest with you. I'm 35 years old and I've been steelheading since I was 16. My mentality has not changed. I would still, if you asked me at 16 and you asked me today, April, would you rather go to the Bulkley right now for eight hours and catch two fish? Or would you rather go and explore the Telqua <laughs> and see a fish if you're lucky which would you choose back then when i'd only been doing it for a year and now when i've been doing it for as we've established too many years <laughs> i would say i the same thing i i don't need to catch fish so i guess all of this to say not everybody doesn't care about catching fish because they've been doing it longer or because they're older it, some people are just born with that that yeah. they just want to explore they don't need to catch the fish mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's just dependent on the person and everybody has a different take on it. So that's a, a good perspective. And I have heard of uh, Bob. I have, I've never met him or talked to him, but I've had people tell me he's he's the guy up there as far as some of the some of the work that's being done on the, um, you know, I guess document. What, what is his, is he, I mean, he's kind of conservation and documenting the runs and the ups and downs and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, he was our biologist for so many oh, years, right, right? Right. Yeah, so when he retired, he... <laughs> Gotta love the guy. He wrote a tell-all book throwing everybody That's in the right. bus. That's right. And, and that was the Skeena Steelhead book. This is a different book now. Um, but he just has no filter. He can't help himself. When something pisses him off, he calls you out. Yeah. I don't think he's right every time. Obviously, that's why we battle, because I disagree with him. But um, yeah, the man knows what he's talking about to some extent. But the, the big thing that we fight about is mentality. And, and I guess my the whole point here is not everybody has the same mentality. You cannot assume everybody fishes for the same reason that you do or, or does it, you know, everyone has a different reason why they're out there. So it's important that we realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get um, into, you mentioned some, um, you know, mentors and things like that. I, before we jump in there, I, I, I did want to follow up. You mentioned the jazz dancing and I have a couple of young girls and um, that are, <laughs> that's actually, they're just getting into dancing. And uh, I'm interested here is, is did dancing uh, help you in any way uh, with fly fishing? Uh, yes, no. Um, so music is my, obviously I love music. And so I went to university for music and I'm actually a jazz vocalist no. and yeah, I'd say singing music helped me more than dancing. I mean, it's a gray area, right? Like it's one and the same in a lot of ways, but I sing almost, you know, every moment I'm out on the river, I'm out there singing and I definitely have found songs. I've got, got like certain songs in my collection that I, if I'm having a bad casting day, I'll start singing. Like there's certain Korean, uh, Korean Bailey Ray, Ray songs I'll start singing and they immediately match my casting tempo to the song and I just get right back into the groove. So yeah, definitely helps my casting cool. for sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Music, music is good. Nice. So, so yeah, the mentors I, I do, and I do uh, want to get into some uh, talk about your home river and some tips and things like that. But before we jump into all that, as far as mentors, and this is interesting, I don't want to have the whole conversation be focused on this, but you know, I think your life and, you know, talking about starting fly fishing 18 and uh, you know, fishing before that, you know, and yourself as a female in this, um, you know, in fly fishing, you know, how did you get started? Like, who were your mentors and who were the people that helped you? Because, it, you know, it's, it probably wasn't the same as a lot of the guys out there, right? You just go out with the guys or, or was it? Or how, how'd that all come together and, and who, who taught you your, how'd you learn? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it all, it's a multifaceted question. So, like, I, 
I had been, like I said, I was out there gear fishing a lot and I was solo. So I was out there alone. Um, and really what it is, is, you know, you drive by a river and you see a bunch of people fishing. So you think there's fish there. So you get out and you ask, what are they catching? So they're at the better crossing and they're catching salmon. All right. So I've got a spin rod at home. I go home, I get my spin rod, I go back out, I'm going fishing. So it kind of starts really organic like that. You know, mm-hmm. you're just one of the sheep in the crowd. And then I was doing that a lot and starting to explore a little bit more. And I started to meet, I started to run into this guy on the river, as you do. You know, if you freaking a, a river, there's, there are regulars. And, and which river, because which river was the, the Chilliwack or okay. the, the Vetter. It's, it's the same river. It's got a, a bridge down the middle and the river name changes but it's the same river yeah so i'm on the vetter and i um used to skip school so i would be there during the quieter times of the day i wasn't just a you know weekend warrior and dave being retired was also uh, out there on weekdays and you know he's saying i keep running into you do you like you're alone it's dangerous do you want a fishing buddy and that's just like red flag central you know guy in his 60s i'm in my teens i don't know and I finally thought, well, I'll tell you what, I'll fish with you on this public run. And he was fishing with another buddy. And uh, I learned a lot. Like, I really learned a lot. I just watched them a lot of the day. And I thought it would probably be a good idea to have a fishing buddy in my life. But I was still really young. And I'd gone home and told my parents about him. They were really concerned. So they came out to the river with me hmm. uh, the following week and met and met Dave. And they really liked him. And, and they kind of just watched him with me for a few hours and and he just became like a family friend and he was my first mentor and dave had owned a tackle shop and i guess back in the day he had gotten this old shakespeare fly rod and he knew that i really wanted i mean this is a couple years later right but yeah um he knew that i really wanted to get into fly fishing i'd been hounding him about it for like two years and he goes look here this rod is for you there's no line on it you've got to go get your own line but um it's all yours if you want to hear some vhs tapes (laughs) And it just kind of just kind of went from there. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of stories in and around that one. But Dave Puffer was certainly my 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 mentor, not in fly fishing, but just in fishing in general. And, you know, he used to get me so excited. We'd, I'd have a journal and I'd be keeping track of water temperature and, and mm-hmm. you know, what what time of the year, which fish are running. And, and after a full season of fishing together, it got to the point where it was winding down, coho were starting to phase out, and I started to get really depressed because it was coming to an end. And you, you know what's happening. The, the anglers start to, oh, yeah. um, you know, they start to thin out, and the, there's no leaves on the trees. It's cold as hell. And, and I just and I remember, t- remember telling him, Dave, I'm, I'm getting depressed. Like, I don't, I'm not ready to stop. And he said, well, you don't have to. There's this thing called a steelhead. And, I mean, imagine you hear about steelhead and you've been a salmon angler you're like wait pink salmon chum sockeye steelhead like how badass does that (laughs) and he goes yeah they come in in november december he said i'm not much for them it's too cold and they're few far between but you don't have to stop and that was it for me that was it i was i was gone yeah so dave was my big mentor and then um I love, I, I love reading accounts of like, I got April into fishing and it's really, really cute because uh-huh. I, you know, everybody, you have an experience with somebody one day and they think suddenly that, that they're your person. But I guess, you know, in a way everybody was my person in one way or another. And I think that that's true of being a woman or a man. You, yeah. you have, you pick up things from everybody along the way, but, um, the fly shops were okay. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that they may have, fallen into that mentorship sort of role uh i definitely drew 
back after I'd started going to the shops and trying to get information. Um, and you know, some guys don't help you because they think everyone else is helping you. And some guys do help you because they actually care. Some guys help you because they're trying to sleep with you. Hmm. Like you just, everyone's got their own reason for helping you. And I started to hear rumors about, you know, April's getting, getting help because people want to sleep with her. And that, that for me was enough to just take a complete step back. That was definitely when I took an enormous step back Hmm. and was like, okay, I'm going to be really, really picky about who I allow to be a quote unquote mentor. And, um, again, just dove further into my relationship with Dave Hmm. and, myself really in a lot mm-hmm. of ways mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay yeah that uh, i mean there's a definitely a a lot of questions and things you know we could dig in i'm not gonna go that deep but i i just asked that because i you know and i i recently talked to uh steve duda with the fly fish journal and we had a little conversation about you know how he mentioned that uh you know the past of females in fly fishing hasn't been that great you know and it has been a male yeah. a white male dominated sport and you know, it just seems ridiculous, right? That it's, but I guess that's just kind of the way it was. So, and that, that, that's kind of why I asked that. And, and now myself with two little girls and the society, and you look at the politics with where it's going in the U.S. and stuff, it's just pretty bad. But, uh, yeah. And it's an interesting time too, like with the Orvis campaign and stuff. And, you know, I've got so much to say on the matter, oh, yeah. but I'm so, I'm so cautious about what I say. But, and only because it can be misconstrued, but, and, you know, it, and are you, are, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, are you, you're pretty much, I mean, you're a leader. I mean, you're the, I mean, you're one of the big names. I know there's a few other uh, ladies out there that I'm going to have on the show here. Um, that are going to talk that are definitely part of the movement, you know, however you want to describe that. But I mean, you're, you're a main uh, a figure in this and do you, do you feel like you have a responsibility there or what is, what do you feel like is your responsibility? Yeah. You know, I do feel like I have a responsibility to some degree, but again, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll try to break it down. So it's in in kind of in a summary. Um, look, uh, maybe I, maybe to some people I deserved some of the backlash when I was younger, I had bright blonde hair. <laughs> I had long, I had long fingernails. Right. I don't see why any of that matters. Like I, I'm sorry that people assumed that all of that was for attention on the river and, and that they didn't take the time or have the depth in themselves to look at a 19 year old girl. I mean, 18, 19 year old girl, because right. let's get real. I was not a woman. I was a girl who was waitressing, trying to make money to literally pay for school. And, as a waitress, it helps to look a certain way. And and also, I just enjoyed looking that a certain way. I've had in my life, I've had purple hair. I've had red hair. I've had blonde hair. This whole, this whole April is looking the way she looks for attention was disgusting to right. me. When you are an attractive young woman, and I'm not saying I'm anything special, but every other woman listening to this who has been found attractive over the years will shake their head in agreement for the most part. You walk down the street, men whistle at you. You pump gas, right. they stare at you. You go to a bar, they pinch your ass. Like, hmm. I don't need any more attention than I already have. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not a sociopath. I, I don't need the extra attention, especially when I'm on the river. But I'm not going to go home after waitressing um, or go home after feeling, you know, sexy with my boyfriend because that's why I was blonde with long mm-hmm. nails. I, it made, made me feel sexy at the time. Right which I'm allowed and deserve to do. And I'm not going to, what, before I go to the river, dye my hair brown and take off my makeup <laughs> right. for you idiots? Like, right. if you can't handle it because you don't have the depth or the knowledge, that's not my problem. 
So I dealt with a lot of that stuff back then, and it saddens me to still see it today. But, but it's hard to not see where a lot of these people are coming from because there are a lot of people on, or women on social media going out of their way to look sexy for social media. So it's a really gray area. Like, Mm -hmm. are they doing it for themselves because they feel like a tiger in the bedroom with their partner? Or are they doing it because they're trying to get followers? What is your Mm -hmm. motive? But again, we don't know that. So it's really hard to stereotype. So, you know, I I get people asking me on a weekly basis to comment on the 50-50 initiative with Orvis. I have deliberately, very quietly kept my mouth shut. And largely in part because I will be podcasting uh, the girls behind or the women behind that initiative when I'm at ICAST next week. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have a lot to say about it. And I'm not being quiet because I have nothing to say or because I'm afraid. That's perfect. No, (laughs) I... I mean, I'd like to tell you how I feel about it if you're cool with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. Have you seen the Orvis commercial where the I, guy calls in and he's... I, yeah? ha- I haven't. I've heard about the... the, the um, a little bit about it, but no, I haven't seen it. Okay. Watch it and then read the comments. Okay. A guy calls in and he says, Orvis, I totally supported you guys until this initiative. And he says, basically, in a nutshell, he says... Um, I'm not going to, you know, it's, oh, that's right. it's something, I, something about, it, it, I did catch that. Yeah, no, I, I did. I okay. did. Yeah. And the comments are really interesting. The comments, obviously the majority of the comments are Orvis. I'll no longer buy your product, but a lot of the comments were, Oh, funny. I've never, it's, I, I don't see how that makes it, how men have ever discouraged women on the river. You know, I've huh. never discouraged women on the river. Right. I, I've got a couple of viewpoints on it. Like, okay. I was, I actually hate the commercial. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And when I did see the 50 50 campaign, the first thing that crossed my mind was <laughs> yet another fly fishing company trying to make money off of the woman movement. Like, rock on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever makes you guys sleep at night. Right. But it's so clear that you don't actually give a shit. And, and again, I, I need to reserve my judgment so I talk to the girls. And I have met them before in, in past and they seem like really badass chicks. So, um, this isn't a, a slag on them, but whoever made that commercial, in my mind, and it feels like a man, I'm going to say, who made that commercial, they missed the mark. They just yeah. totally missed the mark because I kind of agreed with the caller. You know, I kind of agreed with the caller. Now, for all the comments of people saying, I've never seen anybody discourage women on the river, that's because you're not looking in the right places. No. It is hell out there. Oh, yeah. It is. I have had men yell at me. I have had a man throw me in the river. Jeez. I have had, yeah, police involved. I mean, to be fair, wow. it was probably, it was instant. No, it was instigated. I have got a big mouth, but sure. <laughs> you know, I still was thrown in the river by a 200 some odd wow. pound man. Um, you know, That's... I've been, I've been threatened to be knocked out. I've had people, Damn. um, hack my website. When I first got the blog started, it was hacked and replaced with a murdered, bloody, no strangled kidding. Barbie doll. Jesus. Yeah. I've had, I have had people try to bully me and break my knees wow. from the beginning, whether it's instigated or otherwise, it's not right. Well, and, and are you still, do you still get some of that? Sure I do. Yeah. I get people all the time, you know, yeah. I think, but just a bunch of fuckwits. That's right. just life. But oh, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's soccer or if it's fly fishing sure. or, I mean, sexism is here. It's real, but it's yeah. not, it's not everybody. Not all guys are like that. And, you know, the more men I meet who have daughters, the the more I see that they get it. Like, not, it's not all guys. So it's a really, really dangerous um, yeah. and scary well, path to take in conversation to say that, Yep. You know, women aren't welcome on the river because they are by most. Yeah, no, and it, it brings me back to uh, 
you know, the, uh, the me too, I guess this is kind of part of the, the me too movement, hashtag me too, that whole thing that was going on a while back in social. And that was, you know, where people were coming out, calling out, um, basically the women were basically calling people out, you know, and it started, I think with, you know, kind of the political with Trump and stuff, but, but it was interesting because I heard, um, I heard this one conversation where this guy basically came out, he had a podcast or a blog or whatever and said, Hey, you know, I'm totally supporting, you know, you guys, me too. You know, this is, I'm totally, you know, this movement is great. And like a bunch of women came out of the, the woodworks and were like, Hey, you know, screw you, buddy. You tried to, you know, rape me or do whatever and all this stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. like, he, like, I don't know if he didn't realize it, but I think like, man, if he didn't even realize it, if that's part of the thing, like guys are doing stuff and they don't even realize that they're actually uh, doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's not, not like that's an excuse, but I think that's part of the thing. But it just goes to show like the, the grayness of it all. And that's, I got to be honest with you and I am going to get some serious hate for this. My husband, if he were here right now, he would be sitting beside me saying, shut <laughs> up, stop talking. But look, the Me Too movement, I I had a, I, I also sometimes have a hard time stomaching uh-huh. and it's because like you have to understand, I, I, I'm going to be totally honest. My, my mom was raped when she yeah. was like nine years old up through till she was 14 wow. by a family member. I mean, it's, I am, you're, you're looking at someone who's known about sexual abuse from the day I was born. My, my parents, obviously it was important to them right. that I knew that this was a real thing. So I take sexual abuse and, 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 and the Me Too movement really seriously. But I also need to be honest, you know, I know just as many men who have been, you know, victimized, if you will, by women. And and I'm going to sound really mm. guilty here, but in my single days, I was a damn predator. Yeah. I loved men. I mm. wasn't promiscuous by any means, but ooh, God, yep. get find a really nice guy who was like super innocent looking. I wanted to absolutely crush him. Huh. Like sexually, you know right. what I mean? So I was just as bad as those guys. I'm sure I've offended my, my fair share of men. Obviously I wasn't raping anybody by any means, but I definitely, if I were a man and the roles were reversed, there would be people coming after me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just me. And I think I'm a pretty decent person with integrity. Mm -hmm. Um, imagine a lot of these women out there who maybe don't have that integrity. They're just as, you know, there are just as many men being victimized as there are women. So yeah. I'm all for the Me Too movement, but I think we need to realize this is a humanity issue and not a, a, a battle of the sexes issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate your perspective. <clears throat> Definitely. That's, uh, it's, it's good to, you know, I, I think obviously we're, we're kind of uh, going in here deep, so I'll, I'll bring it back to some more, get back to some steelhead <laughs> fish and stuff, but no, thanks for, thanks for taking us there. And I, I, uh, yeah, I appreciate you just speaking to that a little bit because I'm going to have some other guests that are going to talk a little more about things. And, um, yeah, it's just, I think for me, like you said, with two little girls and I, which scares the crap out of me as they grow older, you know, and I'm worried about all these things. I, I think, um, you know, they're, they're hopefully going to be fly, you know, fly fishers as well. And, and we'll just kind of, I guess they'll deal, deal with it when they get there. Yeah. You know, it's one person at a time. And I just want all those guys out there who do comment on the Orvis video saying, you know, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I've never seen anything that would imply that women are victims, victims of, you know, of, of this. That's offensive too to people like me, because you guys, it does exist and it, it runs rampant, very, very, very rampant sex, sexism in the world today is a very real thing, uh, not just in fly fishing, but it is in fly fishing as well, for sure. Right, right. 
All right. Well, um, so yeah, just thinking about you mentioned the the vendor <coughs> is mm. is now what, what? So your home river, I mean, and you fished all over BC, but is that still your home river? What do you consider your home river? And how do you how do you catch steelhead up there? Ah, oh, the vetter was my home river. Um, it's so hard now to see it the way it is. You know, it's 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 just really disheartening. It's got a lot of construction, and I I can't. If I'm being totally honest, Dave, I, I can't bring myself to fish it. Hmm. So I don't fish the Chilliwack anymore. It just it's it taints what I remember it being like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, is it? It was kind of always known as kind of a like more of a gear type of river, or is that just more of a recent thing? No, I think it was always a gear type river, and and I think it was probably busier back before I was even born. You know, it's hmm. probably busier in the seventies than it is now, but or at least that's what I you know I've read, but. Um, just, I think as I've gotten older and I've, I've traveled the world and I've experienced other rivers that are just a little bit more of a, of a, an outdoor experience, I can't change my mindset on what I assume, you know, what I, um, define as a special experience and it's not the Chilliwack anymore right. for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I live on the Bulkley and the Bulkley oh, is yeah. now my home is my home river. Okay. And and whether again, you know, there's always a great, like there's always a, I say this in casting. I took this from a good friend of mine um, who always says this with everything he teaches. There's always a big asterisk and it depends. And I just want anyone listening to this interview, like before you get your panties in a bundle and you get annoyed at anything I say, just know that I understand that there's always an, it depends. And there's always a bunch of branches that stem from the main point that I'm making. But, um, and it, with the Bulkley, it depends. Maybe, of course, I might be part of the blame. Maybe I'm, who knows, right? right? But all of that aside, the reality is the Bulkley is too busy for it to be a quality experience for me as well. Hmm. So I'm not at the point where I completely boycott it because I live on it, but mm-hmm. I definitely am at the point where I kind of, um, I like have this fantasy world where I step outside first thing in the morning and I fish all morning. And then the second that I see the first drift boat go by or the first raft go by, mm-hmm. I reel in and I go in for the day. I go hunting all day. And then um, when I know that the guys and gals can no longer pass my place because you've got to get to a pull-up point before dark. Yeah. Um, I know about what time that is every evening. And then I go back out for the last hour of light. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. I've spent a little bit of time up there fishing as well. We were there, I guess it's, it's been about 10 years ago and um yeah, it seemed like there was definitely some people around, but I, did you see from, you know, in the last 10 years, a big increase or has it just been slowly increasing with people on the river? Again, it's an interesting question. You know, apparently it was a lot busier before I was even born. Um, I have seen years where, you know, again, it depends on time of year and fish run size. Um, but yeah. la- I'd say, yeah, you know, last year was quiet. The year before was insane. I think I counted 62 boats on my way downstream one day. Jeez. I didn't fish. I just literally put my oars and went home. But huh. um, yeah, it depends on the on the run size. And again, you know, Bob had a good point. It's not more anglers. There are fewer anglers than there were in the 70s. Mm. It's that they're concentrated where the majority of the fish are. Mm. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know yep. if it's busier or gotcha. if just that river is busier. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I, I want to, I don't want to forget about anchored because, uh, that's, you know, we talked about that at the start. So maybe you can talk a little bit about why you started that podcast and then what you plan, um, you know, kind of what your goal is with that and kind of maybe for somebody that's never listened to it before, what, <laughs> maybe you can describe it. 
Yeah, I'd love to. It's my favorite project I've ever done. And, nice. And hopefully remains that way. Yeah. I was guiding on the Dean and I had been guiding for a few years at that point. And I have a brain. I don't know if you can tell by listening to me speak. My I go a hundred miles a freaking mm-hmm. minute. Like I cannot stop. <laughs> and both body and mind, it's they're always going. So by the time you get to year three of guiding and you've got the same clients and they know what you want them to do, you're standing on the bank and apart from being on grizzly bear duty, you're literally staring at them. Yeah. They don't but after day three, they don't want to talk to you about things anymore. They just want you out of their face. Yeah. And I would I would actually actually go insane. So um, I completed a couple college courses on the river for your correspondence and then decided I didn't need those college courses. And I thought, well, what the hell else am I going to do? Well, I need to educate myself. Like there's no such thing as boredom in my world. I like to take spare time and educate myself. And what better way than to have a podcast on in your Patagonia better sweater sleeve? Cause <laughs> there's a little zip there and, and learn while you're standing there. So I started just getting into these really interesting episodes and I thought, shit, you know, this, I think. I think I want to have a podcast and I've been filming my, my television show. I'm kind oh. of moving ahead, but mm-hmm. I had just finished wrapping up a, a, my fil- filming my television series. <clears throat> and because I'm really interested in stories, the show is based on people's stories, but I was finding that my hour and a half long interviews were being edited down to three minutes. <laughs> Do you know, like they talk about wow. killing babies in your writing, you know, when you have to cut out words, oh, yeah. you say you're killing babies. Huh. Okay. Killing, killing like an hour and 27 minutes of my Jeez. interviews was like pulling my fingernails off. And um, so I thought, I've got to take the reins on this. I'm going to start my own podcast. It's going to be uncensored. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. And these were your your interviews, like you had an interview with like 60 Minutes. You've done a lot of shows. Is that kind of what you're talking? Oh, no, I had a television series, um, but it was on, it is on the World Fishing Network, which is a subscription channel. So a lot of people don't even know that. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Yeah, which is actually, that's probably by my best project i've ever done was it's called shorelines april Voki, but oh, yeah. uh it's in such a limited such such a piss poor channel that yeah not everyone can see it which is a real shame and hmm. excuse me the company owns it the network owns it outright so i can't even share it on my end no kidding no it's really disappointing wow. um but yeah it was it is the audio it is my television series is the video version of the podcast oh. shot with red cams and destination like it is okay yeah, it's not a lot. There's not a lot of fish caught. That was never the premise of the show, but it's definitely um, it's yeah, it's visual tales. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So I thought, well, what's the next best thing? What can I control? I'm going to make a podcast. No one's going to listen to it, but the stories will be documented. We're losing a lot of these great men and women mm-hmm. who, I, who I'd interviewed in on the show, and I thought, you know, if my because the show is actually about um, it's about my reading list. I'd had anyway. I don't want to go into yeah. crazy big tangent about or big talk about the show, but um, I'm really passionate about reading. And I thought, well, I can't make people read. Like they're just not, my generation is not reading. No, they don't have time for me standing on the river here. I'm not reading. I'm listening. (laughs) I'm going to get them to listen. That's how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to save our history and do, and do it that way. I had gotten to the point, Dave, where I, I had, I was fishing bamboo and I was fishing woven leaders and like, I was trying to make it not harder on myself, but just a little more, I don't know, a little, just a, a little bit more of a, a quality experience. And for me, that is, you know, like rolling the feel, I like the feel of bamboo rolling it in my fingers while I'm, mm-hmm. while I'm fishing. And I, I get, I get off on like opening my Wheatley box and seeing <laughs> old style flies. It's, it's enjoyable for me. It's a, it's an artistic feel. Yeah. 
And, um, and I had been at the point though, where even that wasn't doing it for me. And so the next thing that just kind of happened organically is because I do read a lot, I would read Hag Brown and I, I would, I was so in, in, intrigued by him and his writing. And when, it, when I read his words and when I read his words, they, they strike something in me that I can't explain. It's so it, it makes me want to cry just thinking about it. And, and so I started kind of going down a different path. I thought, well, I'm now fly fishing. I'm now using bamboo. Like what's the next step? So I thought, well, I'm going to go to Hag Brown's rivers and I'm going to try to do, you know, walk in the same footsteps mm. he did, like li- literally oh. not figuratively, but literally. Mm-hmm. And of course there aren't fish in half those rivers <laughs> anymore, but it was, excuse me. It was so cool to, to just be like, Hey, Hag Brown, if you're watching, like, this is so cool, man. I'm this, you walked on this trail and I like go to his house on Vancouver Island and look at it and know that, like I'd envision him walking in and out of the door every day. And yeah, that makes cool. me sound like an absolute stalker for sure. <laughs> but it just brought a different level of appreciation to my fishing. And so that was where my passion for preserving our history came. I thought, well, maybe the next step for a lot of anglers is maybe if they know the history of the sport, it'll bring back some of that enjoyment. We'd maybe, maybe we don't have the fish numbers we had, but we will always have their stories. And, and maybe we can weigh on them to find a little bit more appreciation. And enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, so that's how the podcast started. It, it's, uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, you've done, a, you've done a good job with it. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed listening to the stories. And you've had a pretty diverse uh, list of uh, guests. I mean, all the way up to uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Donald Trump Jr., right? <laughs> yeah, Rich. my least my least listened to episode. Oh, there you go. It was at least so I, you'd think, I'd think that one would actually get a lot of listens. But uh, it's funny because... Um, you know, it's weird, you know, about the shows. I mean, I think I've listened to a lot of your shows and there's, uh, I just list, love listening to the stories. And my, on my podcast, my most listened to episode is, I think, still the Deck Hogan episode, which, oh, yeah. you know, it wasn't really, and Deck's an obviously amazing guy and he talked a lot about fly fishing, but a big part of that show was he was talking about his, oh, some of the issues he had with a recent book he published, you know, or, or that I was published or with his publisher anyways. And there was, it was this thing where I just had him on the show because I had the publisher kind of on the show and we got into it. So I kind of have both stories. That's basically the reason. And, um, you know, and people, so it's got way more listens, right? And I think just cause of that controversy, I guess, or, or maybe, I mean, obviously decks big, but I hope to have deck on to just do a full show of, you know, all fishing and, and that sort of thing. But so, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. But I, I think people, I think, I think people like a lot of people anyway, my listeners anyway, like a bit of behind the scenes, like, you know, how to's are so in your face everywhere today. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely a time and a place for it, but I, I want to hear what Deck's experience was with the publisher for sure. Yeah, there you Have go. Have you found yourself in a situation yet where you've um, like had to call a lawyer to make sure you don't get sued? <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't, although I did a recent episode. So it's funny because I know you have uh, Rio, you know, obviously is a huge company and they're, you know, amazing. And Simon was on my show in episode 11. Amazing guy. Um and but I had a guy on recently. I think it was episode twenty. Actually, I think it was just the episode before this. Or no, so your episode is going to be wetflyswing um, dot com slash thirty. And in episode twenty eight, I had Barney on uh, uh, Barney Wong, and he talked about spay lines. Mm-hmm. And he just talked about how we talked a little bit about how 
he's seeing a difference in weight sinking rates with spay lines. And like he talked about some companies cause I was out with him. He's local in, in our area in Portland and I was on the river and we were just testing lines like sinking rates. And I, I am not to be honest with you. It's funny because with the whole spay game and stuff, I was late to the game. My, my dad taught me single handed. I, <laughs> I kind of held out forever, finally got into space. So, but I'm not as up on the knowledge as some of these people. And this guy is like, he is totally into it. You know, like he just loves like nerding out on lines yeah. And he talked about how like the real line sinks differently and you know, this line sinks differently. It wasn't like a bad thing. Like he was calling, you know, anybody out, but he was just basically saying, Hey, you know, we should have a standard, you know, people should know what they're getting. And, and I kind of called him out a little bit because I said, well, you know, a lot of people are just getting into it and they, you know, they don't know all this stuff. So anyways, but that was an episode where it was like, well, I guess if Simon listens to this and I hope he does, um, you know, maybe he feels like that he kind of called out their lines a little bit, but I don't know. So that was one, I don't think I need a lawyer, but it was one that got me thinking a little bit. The first one, at least. Oh, you know, you're getting off easy. It'll get worse. Oh, really? I've had guests throw, like I have literally had guests throw other companies and other guests under the bus so bad legally that I've had to call a lawyer and make sure I wouldn't get sued for being the person in the middle. Yeah. You'll get some interesting people for sure. (laughs) Get some interesting stories. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't got there yet, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it's been, it's been pretty, uh, pretty good. I mean, I've loved it. I mean, I'm totally, I, I started the podcast. Like I said, I just had this passion for listening to podcasts and, and since I've been doing it now, I just, it's one of those things where it's just so much fun talking to you, you know, and people like yourself and everybody out there trying to do the same thing, document. I, I do a little bit of the tip stuff, but I'm, I'm getting to this point now where it's like, how many, how many steelhead tips can you talk about? Right. <laughs> yeah it depends i mean maybe it, like, there's a, that thing again it depends maybe yeah. if that's your thing then maybe you'll want to talk about it all day every day that's true that's true well, i'm trying to, <laughs> i'm trying to do an equal amount of uh, a little bit of equal stories along with some of the tips but well let's see where are we at here i'm just trying to i think uh, a bunch of the questions i was going to ask you we probably won't be able to get to but i, I did have a few i wanted to, to highlight here uh, well one, you mentioned on books, you, you do have your, your piece where you're really into reading um, some of the books. Do you have a favorite that you would recommend for somebody, a fly fishing book? I have lots of favorites. Like, so which, um, which area of fly fishing experience, how to's, casting, fishing? So, yeah. How about casting? Mm, spay or single hand? Spay. Albert. Albert's book. Okay. It'll, it'll, okay. I remember the first time I read Al's book. Yep. It was right after he published, right after he published it. And I thought, yeah, no, this is not for me. And I put it down. I picked it up a few years later after I'd actually really been working on my casting and I got most of it and I put it back down and I read it again and I understood absolutely everything hmm. to the point where I really wanted to, I need to sit down with Al to talk to him about, about a lot of this physics that he talks about in the yeah. book, but his book, um, is discouraged. It might be intimidating the first time you read it, but I promise that every time you read it, you will take something else out of that book. Hmm. That, that for me is, is the spay casting book. Yeah. It's probably, I'm sure Simon's probably done something great. I just haven't, I haven't read it yet, but um, Al's book spoke to, 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 as an instructor for me and my terminology, I really enjoyed his book. That's cool. Yeah. They all, uh, I'll note that in the show notes here at uh, uh, episode 30, uh, but yeah, Simon, he, uh, his videos are the one that kind of helped me get going when I first started learning about it. Actually, oh, that was, no. yeah. Dave, video is a totally different story. Yeah. Simon's three disc Rio video yep. DVD. Like I'm talking Trump. It makes any book 
pales in comparison. Uh, any book pales in comparison compared to the DVD. I yeah. watched that thing on repeat. It was my life. Nice. Nice. Is that, what was your uh, transition into, into spay like for you? Was it a, I mean, I know you're probably flailing doing that stuff, but did you read everything and then jump into it or how, how did that all go? Mm, I had, how old was I? I was 21. I just turned 21 and I was not an exceptional single hand caster either. And I had heard about these spay rods. Somebody told, I think it was cause I was fishing the Thompson. I was fishing the Thompson and, and somebody had mentioned these two hundred rods and just all I heard was casting further. That, that's all I could hear when they were talking about it. And it just kind of went from that. I think I, I fished with a friend of mine and he, he let me borrow one of his rods that day. And I was obviously taken by it. I loved it. And then that same fall or the following year, I can't remember if it was the same year or the following year, but um, the log cabin pub had an annual fundraiser every year. And it, and money went to like the the park that or the um, the greasehole park on on the river. Mm. And anyway, long story short, Steve Choate from Loomis at the time had always donated a rod. And I was in the bathroom, and I remember Scott Baker McGarvey going, "Where's Boki? Boki? Boki?" <laughs> and I came out, and they're like, "The rods here." And um, and it was like up for auction, and everyone knew I wanted it, so nobody really bid on it. Mm. And I had no money, so I was really freaking out because I. I was like, how am I going to pay for this? And somebody said, Choate, will you throw in a lesson for her? And he was like purple. His face was purple. He was so, he did not want me buying. The, I don't know. You have to know Steve, but I think in his head, there was a bit of like, this chick is totally about to waste my time. And I'm going to have to spend a whole day on the Thompson teaching her. But anyway, he was pressured into it. I bid on the rod. I got the rod for a great price because no one else bid on it. Hmm. And I got Steve for the day. Oh, cool. And we had the most incredible time. And he is such a special, special man. And, he would be, yeah, he would have been my spay mentor, I guess. It was just for the okay. day. I mean, really, my tuition with him was just for the day. But it, the whole experience was so incredible that I knew that that was going to be the next step in my life. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah. It's uh, definitely, it's uh, not always an easy uh, thing for people to, to get into. But, the, yeah, there's so many resources. Like, I was just, again, had another guy on um Oh, the uh, James Miller, and he was talking about the Skagit Master, which I never even watched, you know, never oh. even watched, but I mean, I'm going to. <laughs> and, you know, but there's, yeah, there's a ton of great resources out there. I mean, I guess there's more and more, especially with YouTube and as people get into it. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I, I have found, especially now that I actually feel like I, I do know what I'm talking about with spay casting. Obviously, there's always 10 million things to learn, but. Yeah. Um, I definitely really feel like I can have a decent conversation about spay casting. When I go on to YouTube now, my stomach gets upset at some of the lessons and people I see on there giving yeah. um, advice. And some of these people are like flagged as some of the best in the world. And I'm watching them going, you're kidding, right? Oh, like, really? Do you people not see what like he's creeping his rod like two oh, feet wow. forward on his, on his cast? Huh. Like, so, you know, YouTube, be careful. Um, yep. DVDs definitely are probably a little safer for sure. the most part. Yeah. So yeah, just be cautious. Some of the shit that's out there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all YouTube's wide open. Self-included. Anything that you've seen in mind that's filmed over 10 years ago. Yeah. Stay away from it with a 10 foot pole. All right. Not all right. touch it. I'll note that. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I won't leak out a uh, link to any of your older stuff in this one. You can leak, you can leak it, but oh my God, do not, do not live by it. Do not listen to me. Do not follow me. Do not imitate me. Nice. Just like keep walking. It was tragic cool cool so yeah so yeah maybe you can talk about so so guiding why why did you get into guiding and why did you get out of guiding 
yeah, I wanted to make money doing what I loved. Yeah. And I just wanted to, you want to do something every day. You can't afford to do it every day. So what do you do? You get paid to do it every day. And that was it. That's why I got into it. Mm -hmm. I, I loved guiding till about the eighth year. Yeah. And then it started to weigh on me. You know, it was the people, people, I always hear different reasons why guides get the shits with other people. But for me, it was that my brain, I couldn't handle it. I'd be standing out there. My brain is ticking and there's just so many other things I want to do. Yeah. And, and I am a businesswoman. Like at the end of the day, I'm an, I, I'm an angler first, but I'm still a businesswoman. And I would be standing there being like, this is not making good use of my time. I could be making four times the amount of money hmm. doing something else in a fraction of the time. And that would then give me more time to go fishing for myself or give me more money to go and buy myself a trip somewhere else. Right. Why am I standing here for 25 bucks a fucking hour? Mm-hmm. It's wasting my life away. So yeah, that was, that was it for me. I always said I would do 10 years. I'm big in investing. I've got, um, I've got money put away. So I was always able to be like, okay, I've got like a backup plan, but I see these guys who have been guiding. That's their plan for like 40 years. They've got no money invested. They've got no backup plan. Right. And, and, and then, you know, after a few years or after they hit the age of 50, they're stuck. Yeah. And I just didn't want to be that person. So I said, I'll, I'll set it at 10 years and then I'm out. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you, you say the word stuck because it, it seems like, um, yeah, I mean, I've talked to a lot of guides here that some that are still in it, like, and it seems like some just really love it. And I think maybe I'm not sure if they feel like they're stuck or not, but yeah, I think a lot of them, it, it, they do get out and move into different parts of the fly fishing world and, you know, become reps or, you know, whatever. But yeah, your, yours is interesting because you've got a, you know, you've got a business going and, and what is your business? I mean, what is the, if you had to tell somebody what, what your, you know, how you make money at your businesses, you, you guide, right? You still own a, a guiding um, company? Yeah. I mean, I make obviously booking commissions off people who book through me and, and I don't feel, I feel like that's more than fair. You know, it doesn't cost sure. the consumer anything and, and I'm there for them. Like if you book through me, then like, I'm not, I'm never, ever, I do not need the 15% bad enough to put you in bad hands. Right. If you book through me, I'm going to make damn sure that you're in good hands because it's not worth it for me to, to no. do it, to, to give you a bad experience. And word of mouth, you know, but you know, good business owner or whatever that, that would kill you. No, you know, so I, I'm, I, I guess I make some money off of booking commissions. I've got, um, I mean, there's some specifics to that, that are, are probably will keep internal, but that de- definitely makes sense for me that I've got worked out with some travel companies that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you know, I make money. Obviously when I had television, there was a bit of money there, but not really. Uh, the podcast pulls in an income now. Mm-hmm. The, uh, my sponsors pull in an income. Merchandise pulls in an income. Yep. So uh, let me just go. Yeah, ev- everything, everything, you know, cool. it, it's, um, I've done this since I started my company, you know, make a list of what you're going to pull income in from mm-hmm. and then set goals to be able to, to manufacture that many shirts or put out however many episodes or how many articles. And then, uh, you just decide the amount of money you need to make in the year and then you hustle to make it happen. Yep. There you go. That's, that's great advice too. just, uh, set some goals and go for it. Yeah. Cool. So, well, we are uh, getting pretty close here. I just had a couple more. I wanted to check in with you here. Um, First yeah, all, and Dave, she's yeah. sleep, she's sleeping, so don't oh. don't worry about the time. If you want to throw them at me, oh. go for it. Okay, perfect, perfect, great. Yeah. Um, well, one of them I always like to ask is on flies. Just if you tell me your two go to flies for for steelhead, or you know maybe your one or two flies. Yeah, yeah. So a glow bug, really for sure. Yeah. No, Dave. Come oh on. gosh! Wow, you. 
That <laughs> I'm trying to think if anybody threw that out at me. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, <right>. no. Um, <laughs> I mean, if it floats your boat, fine, but it does not do it for me. Um, but now, you know, I like fishing in Lady Caroline. I think it's, uh, I like the history behind it. I think it's romantic and it catches fish. Yeah. So the Lady Caroline and then um, anything black and blue with an egg sucking head if I'm desperate. Okay. Yep. Black and blue. Good. Yeah. That's what go to. Yep. Nice. What about your, um, I mean, you've, you live half the time in New Zealand now. Is that still correct? Well, funny. You should ask. Um, yes, no, no. I live half the year in Australia, Oh. but, and I've got to be so careful with what I let out right now. Cause it could be next year and it could be five years, but yep. the six month in Australia will end up very soon being six months in New Zealand. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. Look, I like Australia. It's just, yep. um, and the fishing's amazing, but it's, it's just not, I'd rather live in New Zealand. Nice. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a different, different place. I haven't been to either, <laughs> but yeah, you, uh, amazing fishing, but yeah, just the environment, the natural resources there are, it's a different level. Oh, and the people, it is so, so I live six months a year in BC and then six months a year in Manly, Australia. So when I met my husband, he's an Australian and I had actually just been about to buy a piece of property in Roatan and we met on a trip in Norway just randomly. And he, he we thought, I thought we both thought, well, you know what, if this works, <coughs> excuse me, if this works and instead of Roatan, which was actually dodging a bullet, um, We'll, uh, I'll live half the year in Australia. So <clears throat> I moved there with him for, you know, six months. Give me one second, Dave. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, but he lives in Manly, Australia. He's more of like a, he's a surfing city mm. kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's not like a pretty boy, but he's definitely more city than I am. I am. People don't know this. I'm not social. I don't yeah. do social. I, I don't do dinners with friends. Like, it's just not my thing. Huh. I've got a handful of good friends. I don't like parties. I don't go out. I don't go to the bar. I'm just uh-huh. really boring. Yeah. And, um, but my husband is like little miss driving, like he's little miss Daisy. He's freaking everywhere. He loves socializing. And, uh, and so the first few years I could handle, <clears throat> excuse me, I could handle manly, but eventually it starts to really weigh on you to the point where you're just never leaving the house because your house is quiet and outside's not. And thank God, because he comes into my BC place every year for anywhere from four to six weeks, he started to. Um, get a little bit depressed when, when we would leave BC and it was starting to, yeah, he was starting to also feel the impact of the city in Australia. So we're finally after five years or almost six years, we're finally at a point where we both agree that Manly is working for us and we still need to be in the Southern hemisphere for our families, for his family Mm. for half the year. Mm -hmm. And we fish a ton in New Zealand. He grew up fishing in New Zealand and, uh, it looks like we are looking to, um, Again, without saying too much, yep. maybe possibly starting a small fishing operation oh, in wow. New Zealand. Who mm. knows? We'll see. It's his dream. I don't want to guide again, sure. but um, you know what? If I had to do it a couple days a week, and and it was a a, a different lifestyle, was sight fishing and small New Zealand streams, right. then I could be convinced. Yeah, yeah, a little different than sitting there on a steelhead run in the uh, in the cold, maybe. Oh, well, and I love I love that too. You know, it's yeah. just. Um, yeah, look, I again, who knows? Who knows? But sure. yes, we live six months a year in the Southern Hemisphere. Cool. Cool. Well, we'll see. These these episodes will live out there for a long time, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun to listen to this. You know, somebody's <laughs> listening right now three years later, and they'll know exactly what you're up to, so it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you're definitely not leaving the fly fishing world, right? 
Oh, God, no. Yeah. No. In fact, I've just, uh, there's a lot of change. There are so many changes happening right now. Yeah. And uh, if anything, I've just taken a big step back into it. So you sure. guys, guys are going to be seeing a lot of me. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So what do you, you know, if you look out at your life after we're all gone in 50 or 100 years, what what would you like to be remembered for? Oh, you just threw that question on me. I throw that on my people all the oh, time. Oh, you do? But ne- yeah. yeah, but I've never actually thought about it. What uh-huh. I want. Um. Wow. Yeah, you know, I really, it has changed that, my answer to that question has changed so much over the years. Definitely, like the one, the first thing that came to my mind when you asked that is, I, I just want people to remember me as being someone who tried her best to do the best she could. It's not always the best decision. I definitely have been doing like, I've been in the public eye since I was really young. You obviously are going to make mistakes and create enemies at a really early age by accident. And, um, but I just, I have tried, I've just tried my hardest, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I think what I really want is I want women, I want women and young men and people getting into the industry to look at the things I've done and be like, okay, April's been really vocal about like, that was a mistake. She wishes she wouldn't do that again. And I want them to learn from that so they don't make the same mistakes mm-hmm. so that they can just avoid the headache. And But I mean, the argument is maybe you can't be the best that you can be unless you learn from those mistakes. So yeah, I think I just want people to, I want people to just know that I tried my hardest. I don't think I want them to remember me as anything in particular other than April. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, this is a really selfish answer, but I, I want my daughter just to remember me as like a really good mom who worked hard to show her the beauty in the world and that she can live her life differently than most people in the world. And just because 95% of the people out there might not be doing what they love doesn't mean that that's because it's hard. It means it's because they either don't know how to do it or they don't have the desire to do it. Yeah. And so mo- mostly my answer is I want it's for my daughter, not for the rest of the world. That's right. Sorry, everybody. I care about you, but yeah. not as much as my, yeah. my kid. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, and you have a seven month, month old girl there. What, how has that uh, changed your, uh, your fishing or your life? David is the, I'm like, I literally just got butterflies in my stomach to the point where my voice almost changed. (laughs) (laughs) I have never been so fulfilled in my entire life. She is like, and I was not the woman who wanted to be a mom. Like I thought, yeah, you know, I probably should. I'm at the point where I'm traveling. I make good money. I travel. I've got everything. There's literally no reason for me not to have a child. (laughs) I've got a great partner. Um, and, and I kind of thought I just should have a kid, but now that I'm, now that I have one, I, I'm just so fulfilled. Like every day has a real new meaning. I'm literally sitting out in my parents' yard right now, looking at the garden. And I'm thinking when I get off the phone with Dave, I'm going to show Adelaide those new roses. Those oh, cool. They're so beautiful. I can't wait to show her those. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just been the best thing. How has it changed my fishing? It really, well, you know what it has and it hasn't a <laughs> year. So what time is it right now? Uh, my it's t- quarter after one, right? Yeah. Quarter after, yep. Oh, yeah. My, we're my at the same time. Yeah. We're at the same time. That's right. Yeah. So last night at what's so 12 hours ago at 1 a.m. in the morning, I just canceled my Norway trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it ha- like Adelaide's been hunting with me since she was three weeks old. Adelaide hmm. has put in more hunting days this year than my buddy. I think she, the kids put in 30 hunting days. Well, with me. What kind of hunting? I bow hunt. Oh, for just a big game? Uh, well, in BC for grouse and it, oh, I wow. will be going... Yeah, for deer this year. I, but I got a deer in Australia just a few months back, and Adelaide was, she would call in deer with me because the fallows, you know, you call in a fallow, it's like, meh, huh. meh, meh. 
Yeah. And so when she would fuss, she kind of sounded like that. And we'd call <laughs> it deer. It was so Sweet. cool. <laughs> yeah. So she, uh, she's been uh, fishing with me in New Zealand. She's been everywhere, but we just traveled. We had two weeks in Fiji and we just came back to Canada. We had 20 hours in the air. No problem. She was great. But her sleep was thrown off for a bit. And I thought, yeah, you know, well, mm-hmm. Norway will, will be, it'll be all right. And because I was going, and I'll save you all the logistics. You don't need to know about travel plans. But yeah. I was going to Norway and I knew it was going to be a lot to go from Orlando to, Nor- to Norway and back. Because, you know, you got to fly. There's a layover from Frankfurt. Then you got to go to Oslo. But then you got to get to Trondheim. And then you've got to drive two hours to the river. <laughs> the kid can handle it. She's good. She's done it. But wow. then this happens. I get a message from the lodge owner and he says, Hey, listen, um, fishing is really bad right now. We've haven't had rain. I don't want you guys to come all this way. And I'm solo, right? Like Charles isn't with me for most of the year. And so he goes, I don't want you to come all this way by yourself and sit on the beach the whole time. And I thought, well, that's cool. I wasn't going to, I was going to fish pretty relaxed anyway. And then I started thinking, but then what I'm waiting all week for rain. And then what starts pouring rain? I've got Adelaide, but again, she hikes in the rain. She can handle it. So she has affected my, my fishing and she hasn't, you know, it's, it's, uh, yes and no, she's, she's made a difference. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. My, my, uh, kids are, um, pretty much the reason why I'm doing, um, doing this podcast right now. Um, you know, that's, that's how I got started. Um, How's that? Well, I, um, (laughs) so my story is a little interesting too. I've talked a little bit about it here and, uh, but yeah, so I, a few years ago, I had my first, uh, well, gosh, a few years ago, it's been, actually it's my second, so I guess she's four now. And I realized that I need to make some more money. <laughs> you know, I was two kids and all that stuff. So I got into, I started learning about online business, just, you know, which sounds yeah. probably really boring to a lot of people, but I just started, I was like, well, what can I do that I can make money on the side? And, um, and yeah, I just, I kind of loved it, started learning about it. So anyways, full circle, the podcasting thing kind of was part of that. Like I listened to a lot of business podcasts and stuff. And it's like I said, I got addicted to podcasts and I was like, so I, I want to start a podcast, but what do I want to do it in? And that's how this came to be um, because of my As passion a for Steelhead. Yeah. Extra money thing. Why didn't you think to guide well, no. one day a week? What's that? You didn't think to maybe guide one day a week or? Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing about the guiding thing. And I've talked a little bit about that, but I don't like guiding. I, um, I've never, <laughs> yeah, I've never, and I've talked to Tom Larimer. Well, he's not a good example. Duran Tor. I mean, I've talked to people that just, you could just hear it pouring from, they love guiding. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the grace. And that was never me. I, my dad guided forever. And then I did a little, and I guided with him and then I guided a little, my, I just never liked, I think it was the pressure, whatever it was. I probably wasn't that great of a guide either. And so I just knew I, I that wasn't the thing for me. And, uh, yeah. and so anyways, I came to this podcast and the podcast now isn't about making money. It's just a really a passionate thing. I hope that eventually I can maybe, you know, get some, you know, monetization just to cover, cover things or whatever. But, um, no, that's kind of how I got into this, this whole thing. It started with my, my second kid and, um, you know, you never know where things go. That's where it's kind of, life is kind of fun that way. Yeah. Not kind of, that's awesome. Yeah. But, um, so anyways, well, I'm going to let you go here pretty quick, but I got a quick little rapid fire, like four questions here. If you got a few more minutes, go for it. So your bucket list destination, do you have one? I hate that. Like what in the blasted hell is a bucket list? Oh, sorry. Yeah. You you got it right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, yeah. Um, no, I don't have a bucket list. You don't, um, 
no, I want to go to Russia. My Russia trip was canceled last year and I can't go back. I, I could go back this year, but I don't feel it's fair this year. So I'll, I'll probably do Russia next year. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's probably about it. My bucket list is, um, I want to explore more rivers in BC that are, are quiet and yep. not talked about. Nice. Nice. Um, and your best, <laughs> uh, steelhead tip for somebody that's out there trying to get into their first few steelhead. Keep your fly in the water. Mm. Yep. Like literally dangle it at your feet. Just oh, don't, yeah. don't like, just don't take it out of the water. Make a bad cast, leave it. Don't yep. fix your cast. Nice. Nice. And does that, uh, do you find, uh, I mean, that's the thing when you're swinging your fly, are you always kind of trying different, uh, you know, swinging it differently at different speeds as you're fishing or do you get a run dialed in and you just kind of know how to fish it? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything dialed in. Everything fluctuates with water levels, but I just, I try to feel for, I just try to look to make sure that I'm going the right speed for maybe the temperature of the day or it, again, it depends if I'm fishing for winter run or summer run fish, but, um, no, I don't say I, I definitely don't do too much messing around with my fly. Yep. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of mindless for me to mm-hmm. be totally honest with you. I think that's why I like swinging is that it's kind of just the moment to meditate. Yeah. What do uh, you... I mean, we could get, we could get all nerdy about, I try to have it so that the hook is facing on 45 degree angle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. So what do you, I, I, when, go ahead. when you're sitting out there on the run, what, what's uh, typically going through your mind? <laughs> other, other than, other than the, you know, the, the fish, the fishing stuff. Um, no, I don't think the fishing stuff is really going through my mind. If, it, if I'm in a real juicy spot, I'm like, oh yeah, oh, it's going to, oh, this, right, is gonna, right. this is for sure. This is going to happen. Um, no, I think that's what I, I, when I'm casting, I'm definitely thinking about my casting, but when I'm swinging, I, it's one of the only times that I actually really don't think about anything. Yep. I really don't, I, I actually truly don't think about anything. It's probably the mm-hmm. closest thing I've got to meditation. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's totally. Which, yeah, I, I don't do any med. I've done a tried a little bit, but yeah, I think that's probably as close as I get to meditating as well as out there in a steel to run. Yeah, or I'm singing, and again, I'm not thinking. I'm either being like, oh yeah, I'm singing really good. I wish someone heard this right now. That's right. Yeah, that I. That's why I mentioned that sixty minutes piece. I, I was kind of catching some of that on online. Um, is that have you done uh, quite a few of those kind of episodes for on the kind of national TV? Um, I don't think so no yeah no no okay so that was kind of a one and that kind of well i can't remember what the uh the the, the pre or what the focus was on that it was more um do you remember that one yeah yeah i mean i've done i've done obviously a bunch of tv stuff i don't know oh, what yeah. it gets aired where i don't sure. own a television and i gotcha. they usually don't tell you 60 minutes told me when it would, would air but yep. most people just don't even tell me when it airs oh, so right. i hear about it like a year later someone's like oh i saw you on whatever. And I'm going, Oh yeah, I forgot that that happened. Gotcha. 60 minutes, um, was really cool. They actually reached out to me and they said, uh, <laughs> I think that I really threw them off guard. They said, we want to come in and, um, do a story about you. And I just assumed they wanted to do a story about women in fly fishing. That's yep. just like the, sure. the thing these yep. days. Right. And, uh, said, yeah, I don't know. What do you, where, where do you want, where do you, are you going to fly me in? Well, no, we want to come to you on the Dean. I was guiding on the Dean at the time mm. and we just really didn't need the pressure or the publicity on the dean just was unnecessary um and stevie my brother-in-law and i he's also was guiding with me we had a big talk about it and it was like well we really don't need the public's eye on this we don't need any attention because if you want to do something public like that you usually want to have something that you can promote to to fix like from a conservation Mm -hmm. stance Mm -hmm. either to fix or to sell right it's one or the other 
And, uh, and I didn't have anything to sell. I mean, I do, but not through 60 minutes. And I didn't need them from a conservation stance in the Dean. And so I turned them down. Hmm. And they were like, no, 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 you don't, no, no. Like we're like, we're 60 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I, I know who you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> but wow. I, we, I don't think so. And then I, so I talked to Stevie and we we're like, well, the Bulkley really needs some help right now with all the stuff that was happening with LNG. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. And so I thought, well, let's do that. And they said, well, do you have any other ships? I said, well, I'm going to Belize. And I remember we were in the flats boat. They had spent like, I think their budget was like 250 grand or something Jeez. and something ridiculous. And, and they were going to come to Belize and also come to BC. And I've got to say, just kind of as a side note, Dave, these yeah. guys were the most incredible, amazing. Like I felt like I was with family. They, no kidding. I have, I have filmed with some really wonderful people and these guys, awesome. they're professional. I just can't say enough about them. They were incredible. Wow. And, we were in the flats boat and they go, uh, and I go, okay, so what do you like? What do you want to know specifically about women and fly fishing? And I remember Mark goes, uh, no, 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 this, this isn't about women and fly fishing. This is about you. And I think I went like white because huh. he, he's like, are you okay? And I go, yeah, but me, what? And so that really threw me off. Um, and it put a lot of pressure on it. It took me a while to just kind of like chill out about yeah. it. So then, I mean, everything went well. We did, we teamed up with, um, Frontier Far West, Derek, who owns the lodge was so accommodating. And uh, the only thing that I have to be completely transparent about just, you know, just even for my own integrity and for Derek was we did talk a lot about conservation and, and it was brought up often and it was definitely part of the premise and it was edited out. So oh. I think, I think that that was disappointing mm. and probably because the more that they dug into it, they probably realized, okay, this is huge and we can't make it a, 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 a piece about conservation and a personality. Oh, right. Um, I would imagine again, I have no control sure. over that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it all went, came to be. And I didn't, we didn't, don't have it in Canada. So my girlfriend, Lisa was like streaming it on, or she yeah. recorded it or something and then shared it. And I was watching it on my iPhone with my parents. And of course I'm, you know, saying motherfucker. And, <laughs> because every time oh, I, right. every time I drop a fish, I can't help myself, right? I drop it. Yep. And I don't know what national television is. I don't watch television. And, and I didn't realize it. I, like, I thought they had to, I thought they had to censor it. They don't yeah. censor that stuff. They didn't censor it? No. Oh, wow. Oh, and then I get an email from Joan Wolf. And oh, she goes, oh, it's one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. She goes, you know, you're talented. You put in so many hours to know what you know. And you're beautiful. You do not need to speak like that. Oh, and wow. I wanted to die. I wanted to die. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And my mom, I mean, she was watching it beside me. She goes, well, it's good to see that you showed your true colors on that. Ah, well, you know, <laughs> Thanks, you know, what's interesting about that because I mean, I'm pretty much like a sailor as well, but when I get on the podcast, I don't really, you know, use any of that language. In fact, I've had a couple of guests, you know, where it comes up and I've kind of been that thing like, well, I don't have to edit it, right? I can just do an explicit sort of thing to cover things, but it seems like, you know, you want to hear the people's true self, right? That's, yes. that, that's what you want to hear. You don't want to edit that stuff. No, I had somebody, I had some man get mad. He goes, why does Dave McCoy have to swear so much in this episode? Oh, and, yeah. and I said, well, hey, listen now. The whole point, the reason why you're listening is because you want to hear, you don't want the sound bites. You want to hear people, not just their stories, but like how people don't remember what you say. They remember how you say it. Yeah. So you want to hear that person and you want to get a feel for them and what they're really like. Mm -hmm. If that's what they speak like, let them. And then I took it one step further and started reading all the papers from Princeton and Harvard about why intelligent people actually use profanity. If you really, if you really dive in to the reasons why educated, intelligent, well-spoken people with large vocabularies use profanity, 
you may take a step back. There are reasons cool. and times and places where it is fitting and best appropriate to use profanity, even go. though it's offensive to some. And then you get into the whole, like, I think it's etymology. Is that the meaning where words, meaning of words comes from? Oh, etymology, yeah, yeah, I think think that's right. Yeah, no, not bugs, not 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 bugs, not etymology, right? Yeah, (laughs) But yeah, you know, and and a lot of it's not even that offensive when you really look at it, so. No, no, and I, I mean, that's the thing, I think. um, So yeah, I guess you you have to coach me here. So on the podcast, it's just a couple of clicks, right? Explicit sort of thing, because I think uh, we've had a little bit of language. Put explicit, and if you don't like it, sorry, don't listen. That's all there is, yeah. I'm like, so tired of living yeah. this life of, of of trying to make everyone happy. Do you know that we're in a world, Dave, where you can't even wear too much bronzer on your face without people saying that you're trying to look African American? Wow. Like wow. the world is insane. I'm sorry that, that you we, don't like it when I say fuck. That's right. That's right. That's just how it goes. <laughs> we, we've become too, too. You know, it's funny because we had that conversation earlier, but we've kind of become too politically correct in some in a lot of cases. Oh, I'm just over it. Honestly, I'm going to go hide down south in New Zealand. I'm yeah. going to hide up north in Canada and end the story. You're lucky. You're lucky. You could you could disappear like that. Now this is this has been uh, this has been awesome. I uh, just uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to have two more for you. Do you have a a story, maybe a, a short story about somewhere in your life that helped you kind of get you where you are? I mean, you started when you were 18, fly fishing, and then earlier fishing. Was there? Something along the way, or do you, I mean, you pretty much knew where you were going from day one. Yeah, I think I knew where I was going from day one. Um, it changed, you know. There were things I remember when I was really young. I wanted to have a television show so bad. Oh, cool! And I, I look back now and I kind of giggle. It's like, really, why? Why yeah. did you want a television show? And now that I've had a television show, I I think it's hilarious because huh. uh, I certainly don't want that now. Oh, yeah. Um, but did you say there's, is there a, per, per, a story about a person or uh, a, a moment? Yeah, no, I was thinking more of a moment, maybe like a, a, a kind of a point in your life that you remember. Yeah, that kind of a transition point that kind of got you, put you on a different trajectory towards where you are now. Yeah, there's a few. I think the big one was when I came home when I was 18 and I'd seen those guys fly fishing. And I, my dad loves to tell it about how I came home in a daze. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, I'd seen... I saw the most incredible thing today. There's oh, got to cool. be a way to make a living doing it. That was uh-huh. probably the big thing. Um, and then, you know, the, the rest was all just pretty organic. You know, you try selling certain things. They don't, it doesn't work. You, you try um, doing a certain role. You don't like it. Um, yeah, no, yeah. no, not, not a, not one real big thing that I can think of at the moment. They're all yeah. little things that all kind of work together. Yeah, I can honestly say that I take every single, I think you're presented with opportunity. And either you take it or you don't. And I have, maybe I was too aggressive and too ambitious in the beginning. I'm sure it turned a lot of people off. Mm. That's who I was. And there's a lot of reasons for my past why I was like that. I'm not going to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that the one thing that I did do was I looked at every opportunity and and what I was able to do and still as a businesswoman I'm able to do today is look at an opportunity and figure out a way how to kill 10 birds with that one stone. Mm. You know, I always can think of a way to monetize something. I can always think of a way for it to benefit somebody. I can always think of it to to make people happy. There's always ways to make a situation work for everybody. Um, and you just have to think outside the box and look at every opportunity differently. Don't be lazy. Sleep less. Mm. Give back, and the universe will give back to you. It's as simple as that. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's the perfect way to perfect way to sum it up. Uh, so, in the next uh, six months or so, do you have anything uh, going on? Anything new we can expect from you? Big time, yeah. Yep. So, um, 
so Norway is canceled, <laughs> but yep. I'll be heading up to my place in the Bulkley. We'll be up, Adelaide and I will be up there this year. Well, okay. So in August, I've got to go back to Australia. I'm going to try to get my first Marlin on the fly oh, wow. this August and, um, let's see how that goes. Cause it's been five years now in the making and I still <laughs> haven't landed one yet. And then her and I come back to camp. We're in BC in camp from September to January. I think we'll freeze to death. So we're going to have to work around that. Hmm. So that's like the six-month schedule. And then what I can tell you um, that doesn't go against my NBA is I am about three – actually, my next call from you is with my lawyer. Hmm. We are about three days away from signing a contract, and I have been uh, bought. Bought? Bought. Been bought. You've been bought. I've been bought. I've sold the company. <laughs> I sold the company. I sold the podcast. I've sold myself. And I'm on I'm on a uh I'm about to enter into a very exciting new relationship with a company I firmly believe in. And I think we're gonna do some really, really wonderful, wonderful things together. And I hope that doesn't go against my NDA. Oh God, wow. pray to God it does not go against my NDA. That's but awesome. Yeah, I let let's say let, let's say this. Let's say instead of being bought, I've been um uh I mean, okay, let's keep this legal. I have allegedly been bought. Yeah. Um, no, I I uh, <laughs> I teamed up with a really fantastic network of people, um, and I'm really excited to move forward with them. So I'm excited to share all that with you oh, guys cool. when I'm allowed to. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's huge news. I'll uh, be uh, looking forward to that for sure. Nice. Well, April, I uh, want to thank you for coming on here. We we pushed uh, a little bit over our time here, but uh, this has been a ton of fun. And I, yeah, I just want to thank you again for the inspiration uh, that you know anchored, and that's kind of where I first connected with you, and it, it inspired me to do what I'm doing here. So I just wanted to thank you for that again. Oh, thanks, Dave. Hey, Dave, one last thing because it's important as yep. both of us as podcasters. Yep. This whole new merge does not change any of my creative control. I don't want anyone thinking that I would ever, and this is for young men, young women, young entrepreneurs, for yourself, no amount of money could ever allow me to give up brains on my own creative control and my integrity. So just cool. that, like my parting words of advice to everybody, just follow your heart, stay true to yourself, even in big merges, and it will always work out better for you in the end. So yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna on a note. I I might get sued for this one as well, but I I, uh, <laughs> I, I use uh, Lipson as my host, you know, for the podcast, and they I love yeah them. yeah they're I, they're they've been great, really good people there. Um, but on your lines of like giving uh, giving yourself up, I I have heard that I think uh, is it well, it's not anchored, but anchor. I think there's there's another uh, podcast. There's some other hosting things out there that that will host your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been told that some of those, they actually, you sell yourself, like they take control of your stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and that's so ju- just for those out there that, because I want to have more podcasters out there. I love the fly fishing podcast. I think we only have, there's a very few number. I'd, I'd love to have more. So just a heads up for those that, uh, before you get into it, make sure that you're not writing your, you know, selling your su- stuff out to people. And, uh, so that is a reality. Yeah, you don't have, and honestly, like with the waiting game, I remember I've spent so many years looking at my brand and looking at myself and going, God dang it. Like I keep, I stay so true to myself. Am I, am I screwing myself over by staying so true? Like should, look at all these people selling cleavage shots or married or dating a professional photographer and all of these selfies. And and I, and I start thinking, good Lord, am I, am I selling myself short? And you know what? If I had done any of those things that compromise my integrity, 
this new merge with these people I believe in never would have happened. So just stay true to yourself. And I promise you, like say no to the people who want to use you for things you don't believe in. Say yes to the people that you love. Make relationships with them. Take the opportunities to make everyone happy. If you can, you know, like the 10 birds, you don't have to kill them all with one (laughs) stone, but it's nice to touch, touch them all with one stone. And at the end of the day, it, 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 the universe comes, it pays you back. I promise it comes, it'll all come right. Cool. All right, April, well, I'll let you get going. And uh, yeah, I would love to, you know, we're, I'm moving into actually season two and three, which is going to be more focused on trout. So I'm taking a little break from steelhead, but you know, down the line, whatever, it'd be great to come, have you come on and talk maybe more about tips. So um, I just wanted to thank you again and we'll keep in touch with you. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's so cool to be able to yabber like this. I, know. I never get to do that. Totally. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. I right, see you. Bye. Bye. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, uh, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 30. And also, please head on over to that same link and leave a short comment at the bottom of the blog post and uh, let me know what you uh, thought of the show. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and hope to connect with you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.